there should be in all of our lives a joyous life that has grace in place. Every person who understands the kingdom and has received the kingdom should understand the enormous grace of God. This is Moments of Hope with David Chadwick. If you've been following along on our broadcasts, you know that we're in the middle of a series called The Kingdom, a study of the teachings of Jesus through parables. When it comes to work, what is fair pay? Today, we come to the parable that Jesus gave about paying the workers. Here's David in the second part of his message, Laborers in the Vineyard. The next step in the play is the different hours of the day responding to the call. Uh, So there are, first of all, workers at 6 a.m. in the morning who the master comes and calls them to come work in his vineyard. And they say yes with an agreed upon amount of one denarius uh, for their work. So they were going to work 12 hours, the end of the day, 6 p.m., for one denarius. Now, that denarius would be equal in today's monetization to around four days' worth of work. And it would feed a small family in Jesus' day. So note that the call to the 6 a.m. workers was extraordinarily generous. For 12 hours worth of work, they get four days worth of supplies. So so start off there with me. It was a wonderfully generous agreement. So they go into the vineyard and they start working. Now at 9 a.m., the master comes back to the marketplace and looks for more workers. Now we don't know why. It could be that the harvest was so huge, he needed more workers. Or it could be, since he was a very adept farmer, he looked on the horizon, saw a storm brewing, and realized before the storm hit, he needed more workers to get the crops in. So another group is called in, and they make an agreement, and they go into the vineyard. Then at 12 p.m., he comes back and gets more, for whatever reason, we're not sure. And to them, he says, I'll pay you what's fair. They go, that's fine with us. They go into the vineyard. Then at three o'clock in the afternoon, he comes back and does the same thing. Offers them a fair wage. They go, okay, and they go to work. Then at 5 p.m., an hour before closing, he invites yet another group of people hanging around idly in the marketplace to come work for him. They too agree, and he says, I'll pay you fairly. And then that act closes as well. The next act is the different payments. So in the story, the first people who are paid are the 5 p.m. workers. Now now that's reversal, really, because in most scenarios, it'd be the 6 a.m. workers who'd be paid first. But Jesus says this master begins with the 5 p.m. workers, and he gives them a denarius. He gives them four days worth of labor for an hour's worth of work. Wow. Then the three PM workers come and he gives them a denarius for three hours worth of work. They get four days worth of pay. (laughs) And then here come the 12 o'clock workers and he gives them a denarius for six hours work. They get four days worth of payment. And then the 9 a.m. workers come and he gives them a denarius and they get four days worth of work for seven, what is it, eight hours worth of work. 
Now, here's where it's like a great Friday movie with Marilyn, where you go, I didn't see that one coming. The 6 a.m. workers come. And you can just imagine in their minds, they're going ka-ching, ka-ching, ka-ching. I mean, we've been working 12 hours and these all guys have gotten a denarius. Now we agreed to a denarius, but surely he's going to give us more, more, more. And the boss gives them a denarius. For their 12 hours worth of work, they got four days worth of pay. Now, let me ask you real quickly, do the 6 a.m. workers really have anything to gripe about? I mean, really, they're being paid generously, even though they've worked longer than the other people. Now, the 6 a.m. workers got their denarius, and what's their response? Like little children. That's not fair. That's just not fair. We worked 12 hours as opposed to all these other idiots who worked much less than we did, how come we get paid the same thing? And their hearts start to be filled with the snare to compare. Something that all of us deal with. God, why are you blessing blankety blank over there more than me? And then their hearts start being filled with resentment and envy. Now, real quickly, you need to know that Jesus chose one of them to respond to. Perhaps he was the largest and loudest grumbler. Perhaps he was the one making the most scene. But he responds to him with a beautiful word. Did you note it? He calls him friend. He called him friend. (laughs) He said, are you resentful because I'm generous? Then he asked another question, don't don't I have the right to give what I want to give to whomever I want to give it? Then he says, the first will be last and the last will be first. We'll talk about that in just a second. Hold on to it. The story ends. And, And all of us are asking the question, what is this story trying to tell us? The parable's kingdom truth Now, remember, every parable we've studied over the last weeks has a kingdom of God truth in it. So remember, we did the parable of the sower and the soils. The kingdom truth there is every soil there is a human heart. Either have a hard heart, a shallow heart, a busy heart, or a heart that receives the word of the gospel of the kingdom of God, and it goes deeply within you, and you produce 30, 60, 100-fold fruit. So if your heart has really received the gospel of the kingdom, you should be bearing great fruit for God. And then there was another parable that talked about, hey, but you need to know that in this kingdom, they're going to be wheat and tares, people who say they're Christians, but aren't really Christians. Powerful message, like Matthew 7, where Jesus said, not all those who call me Lord, Lord are going to enter the kingdom of heaven, but those who bear fruit for me. And then there's the kingdom of God parable about how you discover the hidden treasure or the pearl of great price, and you're willing to give up everything to own Jesus, who is the hidden treasure and the pearl of great price. And there was another kingdom parable we looked at and said this kingdom is for the entire world. It's to be taken throughout the entire world. And where Israel failed, the church is called to take the gospel into the entire world. It'll start in a small way, another parable said, but grow to be like a big tree that has many birds from all over the world nesting in its branches. So there's a parable truth about the kingdom in every parable we've studied. Here's the one today. 
There should be in all of our lives a joyous life that has grace in place. A joyous life that has, read it with me, grace in place. Every person who understands the kingdom and has received the kingdom should understand the enormous grace of God. See, this parable is all about God's grace that he gives to us in his call to us. It is not based on our merit. It's not based on our works. It's not based on how much we've done for him. It's solely based on his grace and his grace alone. You see, the master is Jesus. The denarius, uh, the call, excuse me, is the gospel. And the denarius represents eternal life. Now, I don't know what you think the gospel's all about, but it's about the good news that our sins have been forgiven. We're not headed to hell We're now going to spend eternity with God in heaven, and it begins right now in a personal, living, dynamic relationship with Jesus. It's a gift that God has given us. There's nothing we can earn ever to get it. So then, in this story, in my opinion, the 6 a.m. workers represent children who can receive the gospel at the earliest of ages and work their entire lives for the advancement of the kingdom of God. Children at the age of two or three or five or seven can come to faith in Jesus and live for him all of their lives. There was a huge revival in Indonesia where the name of Jesus was exalted and thousands came to faith in him some decades ago. It was led by a seven-year-old who received the gospel and just started preaching Jesus and a flame was ignited throughout that country. The primary people who should be administering the call of the gospel to children to receive eternal life, the denarius, should be parents. Moms and dads, that is your primary job. We're all called to make disciples, who make disciples, who make disciples. For us parents, that begins with our kids. You should look for every opportunity to share the gospel with your children. My wife, Marilyn, brought all three of our children to faith in Jesus while driving them to and from school. She had a captive audience while she drove them in her van. That's why we jokingly called it evangelism. Bad joke, get the point? During that time of driving, she would bring up things about Jesus and they would start asking questions and then she would say something like, well, are you ready to receive him as your Lord and Savior? And they all said, yes, and she led them to faith while driving around in the van. That might not be the best place for you to do it, but there's a place, and it's your job because God needs 6 a.m. workers. We have as a commitment in our children's ministry here to try to bring the children who come here to faith in Jesus because we know how important it is to begin at that early age, and when they've genuinely received him, folks, they don't walk away. The 9 a.m. workers, in my opinion, are teenagers. They're probably the Timothys of the Bible who came to faith through their families. Most teens who come to a genuine faith in Jesus and then give their lives away in some kind of service during their middle school and high school years stick with their faith, even though they may have profs at the university who try to dissuade them. They don't. 95% of all kids who came to faith in Jesus in their teenage years but then serve in some capacity in the church and give their lives away to the poor and the needy, they stick with their faith for their whole lives. And God needs teenagers in his kingdom field. The 12 a.m. workers, I think, are you in the 20s. You millennials. He needs you. 
He needs you desperately. You have a mindset and an intuition and energy that's needed for the kingdom. People in their 20s come to faith in Jesus and live for him. They enter at 9 a.m., at 12 a.m., excuse me, at 3 p.m. I think those are the 40-year-olds plus. They're people in the prime of their lives. Many of you guys are successful in your business and you're holding sand in your hands. It has no eternal significance. You're not gonna take your boat, your car, your house, or your professional acumen into heaven with you. And I know men who've said at halftime of their lives, in their 40s, is this all there is? And they've received Jesus and entered the kingdom of God and have working for him fabulously now. And then there are the 5 p.m. workers, and they are, in my opinion, 70 plus. Even Bernie Sanders could come to faith in Jesus. (laughs) They're people in their later years. The light's growing dimmer and dimmer. But I know of people in this church in their 70s and 80s who said, it's late, but it's not too late. I'm giving my life to Jesus. And they entered the kingdom field to work for him. Do you see the point? It doesn't matter if you're 6 a.m., 9 a.m., 12 a.m., 3 p.m., 5 p.m. as a worker for Christ. It doesn't matter when you come in to the mission field. What's important is that you come in to the mission field. It's important that you receive the gospel of Jesus Christ and you give your life to him. And I know some people who accomplish more for Jesus in five years of their lives than somebody who spent their whole lives trying to live for him. He wants people to come to faith in him no matter what age you may be. And may I just say to you, the joy in my heart increases the more I understand this gospel of grace. The older I get and the longer I've lived with Jesus, I realize, as I've said to you already several times, there's nothing meritorious in David Chadwick to receive Jesus. (laughs) Good grief. I'm the greatest sinner of all. I'm the biggest moral foul up on all our campuses. And yet God brought his gospel of grace to me. So if one of you on all of our campuses today wants to give your life to Jesus Christ and you're 75, 80 years old, should I resent that? I didn't do anything to earn it to begin with. Why should I resent it if you come at the five o'clock hour? I just want you to come. And I want you to know the joy that I've known of the forgiveness of my sins and a personal relationship with God in my heart that means I can face anything because I know his peace, love, and joy that dwells within. That's what's important, his grace. Don't you see there are two kinds of righteousness in the world? There's a righteousness by works that some of you still live by. You still think that if you just work long enough, God's gonna say, man, well done, come on in. But juxtaposed against all those different world's religions of a works righteousness is only one. It's the Christian faith, which says you can only be saved by a grace righteousness, receiving the call of God that he wants to give you through Jesus. And some of you ask the question, well, how do I know I've received the call of God? Well, respond to it. If you respond to the call of God, you're called. People have asked me through the years, how do I know I'm one of God's chosen? Well, choose him. If you choose him, you're one of the chosen. Do you know him? Have you given your life to him? I don't care what age you are. Do you know him today? God gives us the good gifts we don't deserve. Oh, praise God that he does not give me the punishment I do deserve. Does anybody understand what I'm saying? I'm so thankful that I don't live by karma. I'm so thankful I live by grace. That's what this story is all about. Its basic message is it's never too late. And in heaven, the last will be first. The the last are the ones who understood grace. They're gonna be first in heaven. And the first are gonna be last, those who've worked hard to achieve in this world and get all the glory themselves. They're at the back of the line. 
because in heaven, it's all about grace. For those of us who love him, it's all about grace. So if you're a child today and you've not received Jesus, it's never too late. If you're a teen today and you've never received Jesus, it's never too late. If you're 20s and plus and you've not received Jesus, it's never too late. If you're in your midlife now, 40 plus, it's never too late. If you're a 70 plus year old, it's never too late. Would you please receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior? I beg you to. Just pray this prayer with me. Heavenly Father, in Jesus' name, I receive the call and the denarius, and I give my life now to you in Jesus' name. If you did that, the grace of God has entered your heart. I don't want to embarrass anybody, but if anyone just received Jesus as your Lord and Savior, would you stand just for a few moments? Because Jesus said, if you honor me publicly, I'll honor you publicly in heaven. So did anyone just receive Jesus, would you please stand? In response to the gift of grace for all of us who've received it, no matter what age you may be, I invite you now to the table of our Lord. Moments of Hope with David Chadwick. Thanks for listening. Coming up, David joins me in the studio continuing our conversation about Davidisms. We'll be right back. I'm Mark McManus with Moments of Hope Church's Ministry Minute, focusing on ministries that have a positive impact on our community. With me in the studio today is Tony Marciano, Executive Director of the Charlotte Rescue Mission. Tony, tell us about the Charlotte Rescue Mission. Mark, at the Charlotte Rescue Mission, everything we do is about transformation. With a focus on individuals struggling with addiction, we uniquely work from the inside out to address the root cause. And we accomplish that by providing professional, Christian, residential recovery services free of charge. Now let me back up for just a moment and explain all that to you. When I say the word transformation, I get those marching orders from John 6, a very interesting chapter of the Bible, where on day one, Jesus feeds 5,000 people. That night, the disciples float across the lake. Jesus follows them by walking across the lake, and the next day, the crowd gets in boats and follows them. But on day two, Jesus chooses not to feed them. He begins to preach at them, and they all leave. I think in that one chapter, it's the heart of God for the poor, where God says on day one, I love you so much, I accept you just as you are. But day two, God is saying, I love you too much to leave you there. And that's the hard work of transformation that we focus on every day at Charlotte Rescue Mission. I mentioned we uniquely work from the inside out to address the root cause, and that root cause is shame. Guilt is when I make a mistake, but shame says I am a mistake. And if you knew me, you wouldn't like me. And if God knew me, God wouldn't like me. And then I wrapped it up by saying we address this by providing professional, free, Christian residential recovery services. I like to use the verses out of Ephesians chapter 3, verse 18, where the Apostle Paul says that you may have the power to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth, length, height, and depth. And verse 19 says, and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to all the measure of the fullness of God. Mark, I believe firmly that when someone realizes that God's love is four-dimensional, not three-dimensional, not conditional, but unconditional, when they have that aha moment that God loves them, all the shame in their soul goes away because they know they are fully accepted by God, not for what they've done, but simply because God loves them. And that's what we do every day at Charlotte Rescue Mission. Love to have you get involved. Please go to our webpage, charlotterescuemission.org, for ways that you can impact the people we serve. 
I'm Jen Houston, and with me today is our pastor, David Chadwick. David, thank you so much for joining me today. Yes, Jen, of course. It's wonderful being with you. Well, this week we've been talking about Davidisms, and these are nuggets of spiritual wisdom that you've collected throughout your life. And today we come to the one, forgive, but don't forget. Yes, Jen, it is so important for us to understand this lesson. Let's begin, first of all, with forgiveness. Forgiveness isn't an option according to Jesus. It's a command. So did you know your own forgiveness from God is contingent upon your forgiveness of others? That's what Jesus said, not just once, but several times in the scriptures. For example, in the prayer that Jesus taught his disciples on how to pray, he ended it by saying, for if you forgive other people, when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. Again, it seems like there's a tie between our forgiving other people and the receiving of God's forgiving grace ourselves. Mm -hmm. Wow. This means that if we want God to forgive us, we must forgive other people. But please note here, forgiveness does not mean forgetting what happened to you. There is a huge difference. While God is an eternal amnesiac, he doesn't command us to be such. Hmm. God forgives and forgets. We should not. We need to remember the harm that's been done to us for the good purpose of not putting ourselves in a position to ever let it happen again. In this way, our memory serves to protect us from further harm. Memory then becomes a wonderful good, godly, precious gift from our Lord. At the exit of the Holocaust Museum in Jerusalem are the words, never forget. That's a reminder to all the viewers who attend the Holocaust Museum's exhibits to never forget the Holocaust and what happened to the Jews. We should never forget what happened to the Jews, but nor should we ever forget what's been done to us as well. Give your pain and bitterness to Jesus. Learn how to forgive. Let him heal you. It may take some time, for sure. That's why Jesus taught forgive 70 times 7. Uh, He was not saying on the 491st time you can then sock him in the wazoo. (laughs) He was saying continue to forgive over and over and over again. As you do so, your bitterness and anger will become less and less. God will give this gift of grace to you. But also, don't ever forget what happened to you. Forgiveness and forgetting are different disciplines. Mm. That's why it's important to forgive, but also to always remember you need to forget. That's really good and powerful. And one of the things that I remember somebody teaching me when I was like, how do I know if I've forgiven someone? And they said, if you can imagine them living a blessed, abundant, full life, then you know you've forgiven Mm, them. That's powerful, Jen. And I also heard that you know that you've forgiven, that when that person's name comes to your mind or you might run across them out in the public someplace, it doesn't hurt your heart anymore. Yeah, that's And I think good. that's another sign that you have truly forgiven that person. Mm-hmm. But don't forget. Yeah. I mean, just because that person doesn't bring your pain to your heart anymore, it doesn't mean you're supposed to let them back into your life. Uh, for those who've been physically abused, for example, mm-hmm. uh, you don't go back into the abusive relationship that's simply right. because the person has spoken some smooth, buttery words to you. Mm-hmm. You remember what happened to you, and you don't place yourself in harm's way again. Mm-hmm. I think that's all. So the idea of forgive, 
but don't forget. That's so powerful. Thank you so much. And listeners, if you'd like to receive a daily moment of hope from me, go to momentsofhopechurch.org. You'll find a way to subscribe to those daily written moments of hope coming to your inbox at 7 a.m. It's my way of starting your day with hope. This has been Moments of Hope with David Chadwick, Senior Pastor of Moments of Hope Church. Today's message is from our online worship service. And you can be a part of our service each Sunday morning at both 9 and 11 o'clock by going to momentsofhopechurch.org. And while you're online, be sure to sign up for David's daily Moments of Hope, delivered every morning to your inbox. And also check out David's weekly Hopecast. They're both free and available through our website. Again, that web address is momentsofhopechurch.org. For David and the entire Moments of Hope Church staff, this is Jen Houston asking you to pray for the leaders in our country.